Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Hey, raise your hand if you have heard that section of scripture before. Okay, Um, put your hand down. Raise your hand if you have said that section of scripture to someone before. Okay, and raise your hand if you, someone has said that section of scripture to you before. Okay, good. Um, So my experience with um, Jesus' words of do not judge uh, or you'll be judged was, so I think I've told you guys that I became a Christian when I was in junior high. And when I became a Christian, I was really the only person in my family practicing like faith, like actually living it out. Um, And so this was like what my family would say to me all the time whenever I would have a bad attitude about something or, um, I mean, that was mostly it, when I had a bad attitude about something. Um, And so I have never really (laughs) loved that Jesus said this, um, mostly because I was like, I'm not, you know, judging my family or really doing anything, but that seemed to be the, the, the fight that I had with them. They're like, hey, you know, you're not really acting like a Christian. And then if I said, okay, you know, because I would smart back and I'd be like, well, you're not acting like a Christian. And they're like, don't judge, unless you want to be judged. Um, but I think it's important that we're looking at it, obviously, because Jesus said it. But one of the things I love Um, about Wednesday nights is that we come together as a community. And I, over the last couple of weeks, have been asking some of you, like, why you come to Wednesday nights? Like, what's the draw for you? Um, Why do you take an hour and a half, two hours of your time to come into this freezing cold room um, and and hang out with the other people in this room? And I've been encouraged because a lot of you have actually said, like, you really like the community that youth group provides. And I like that because that's definitely— a goal of why we gather is that so you can live your life in community, you can grow um, into the likeness of Jesus together with your peers and with adult leaders that care about you um, and are a little more wise than you, if we're being honest. Um, And I think as we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount, it's been cool that we are here together doing that, that we're reading scripture together and then we're talking about it together Um, as it has been challenging us and encouraging us of how we are to live in the kingdom of God that all of us have been invited to live in. And so I think tonight is no different, um, even with a scripture that maybe you're coming at, like I had feelings of in high school, of, my gosh, what do we even do with this? Um, So I want to pray for our night before we get started, um, in case there are anybody, anybody out there that was like me when I was in high school. Father, thank you for um, tonight. Thank you for putting us in community with one another. Thank you, Jesus, for your words, um, for the work that people went through to make them available to us. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just help us see Jesus clearly. Um, And Father, you would help us look like your people that live in your kingdom from your text tonight. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so... Like 13 years ago, um, I didn't find the study 13 years ago, but I found a study 13 years ago that was done um, by these two big groups, um, and they asked non-Christians what 
how they would describe Christians with one word. And there was a whole list of them. Um, And there were some that I thought were on there, and I thought maybe that there would be some nicer ones on there, but they weren't weren't really great for us, guys. Um, Number one, how non-Christians would describe Christians were judgmental, which makes sense. Um, Knowing myself in high school, I'm like, I was definitely judgmental. Um, And number two was hypocritical. And I wonder if those things don't really surprise us and if that would be true today if we, you know, pulled a bunch of people together and said, hey, describe Christians, describe followers of Jesus in one word. And maybe um, from the show of your hands of some of you using the do not judge unless you be judged or being told that, um, you resonate and, and you're like, yeah, I get why people would say that about being judgmental. But I think as we look at it, maybe our hearts will change. So if you don't have your device open to Matthew 7, go ahead and open it up, or you can follow along on the screen. But we're going to walk through this um, because, again, I want to remind ourselves that Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God, and he is teaching how a disciple, a follower of him, lives in this kingdom here and now. So starting in verse 1, he says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, something important to notice. If I'm talking to high school Peyton, Jesus doesn't just say the first three words. He doesn't just say, don't judge. He goes on to explain it. So I don't want to say tonight that there is no room for discernment, There's no room for um, looking at things with a lens that is gospel-centered because I think all that we have been studying this semester, we have had to look at things and and had to discern between what is of the world and what is of the kingdom, what is good and what is not how we were intended to live. So he doesn't just permiss everything and excuse everything and say, don't judge, but he goes on. And he says, don't judge, or you too will be judged, for in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus is not saying throw out all discernment, throw out all judgment, but what I think he's getting at is that the the fact that we look at people and make judgments or make Um, opinions about them based on maybe one time we've seen them do something and we start to judge their heart and all of their motives and start to judge in a way that condemns the person and throws them off as if they're, you know, they're helpless, they're hopeless, there's nothing good that's ever going to come of that. I think that is the judging that Jesus is warning against. And actually his brother, James, in James 4 says this, he says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? I struggled with being judgmental in high school. And maybe some of you will relate to this. I Again, I attended this church. I was a part of this youth group. And when I came to faith in Jesus, I 
was like totally on the legalistic side of things um, because it was, it was this whole new like uh, morale that I came to know and I was like, okay, so I have to follow everything just this way. And I wasn't doing it perfect, okay? But I sure acted like I was. The other five days of the week at school, I had peers that attended youth group with me and I saw the way in which they lived at school on their sports teams and their clubs. I saw how they talked to people, how they treated teachers, and I was just not cool with it. And I was very judgmental. And I think for um, maybe some people, when Christians are called judgmental, they're just thinking, well, they, they judge people who are outside of the faith. You know, they, ju- they judge the world, they judge all these crazy people. I don't know about you, sometimes I still uh, deal with judging Christians, okay? I have a hard time seeing people that um, have signs or just yelling mean things at people. And I find myself quite frequently sitting in my car and thinking mean things about them because I don't agree with what they're doing. And so I don't think judging is just a Christian to a non-Christian. I think we have a problem judging even our own brothers and sisters. And I think that's what Jesus is talking to here. The word that he's using for judge really is like to choose between some options, okay? Or like to make a decision. So if I put the ice cream up on the screen for you, maybe, maybe not. We got an ice cream picture? It's okay if not. There's ice cream. Okay, I'm gonna have you choose. What do you like? If you like chocolate, I want you to put a one in the air. And if you like vanilla, put a two in the air. Jaden doesn't like ice cream. I don't even know what that means, Jaden. Okay, so everyone with a two, you're wrong. Um, But everybody, you just made a judgment on ice cream. You chose which one you thought was better and which you thought was not as good. Um, And if you chose vanilla, just throw it right in the trash. I mean, it's so boring. I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, but it's so boring. But we, we understand this, like, choosing between things, right? How many of you guys have watched this ridiculous show on TV called The Masked Singer? Oh, yeah. Someone gave an oh, yeah. They're big fans of it. Okay, maybe um, if you're not into The Masked Singer, you like American Idol? Okay. America's Got Talent? Things of that sort? What happens on those shows? People get up, they perform, and then there's a panel of people who choose who is better, right? And they're judges. But again, I think the kind of judgment Jesus is talking about is not one of discernment. And who cares about ice cream? That's, it's not a big thing that we have. To, okay, you care about ice cream. But when we're talking about people, I think what Jesus is calling us to is that it is, it is not my place to, to act like I know what is in someone's heart. I think there's discernment. You can see how the fruit of someone's life. But to look at somebody and judge them gets us into this whole tricky thing, right? It starts with maybe just observing um, someone's actions, what they're doing, what they're saying. And I observe their actions, and then I make a moral judgment on them, right? I see what they're doing, and I immediately think they're bad. They're a bad person. And then, because I don't usually have the full story when I'm judging, I have to fill in with assumptions 
of, well, they probably did that because of this, and they just like trouble, and they, man, they don't even care about anybody. And I have to fill in and build this whole story characterizing this person when most of the time, I don't even know the full story. I don't know why the one thing I observed someone is doing. And so I think as a community of people, we are not called to condemn someone based on their actions, but I don't think that negates the fact that we do get invited to have that conversation and we don't get to shy away from it. Because here's what I see Jesus doing in verse three. He's telling us to look at ourselves. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. There's that number two thing. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is kind of a ridiculous picture, right? Like, you're, you're trying to do the good thing. You're trying to take care of a brother or sister in the faith. You see that there's sawdust. And notice, Jesus says there's sawdust. There is possibility that there's sawdust in their eye. But how ridiculous is it for you not to look at yourself and realize that you have this giant plank in yours? Imagine if I literally had a plank and I'm going up to Aaron and I'm like, hey, you got something right here. I'm gonna be hitting her in the face, right? If we're talking literally there. It's kind of a ridiculous picture, but I think the meaning behind it, to not be taken literally, you're not walking around with sticks in your eyes. I think the meaning of it is Jesus is telling us to look at ourselves, okay? I think there's room for conversation. When, when you do see somebody that is living in a way that is opposite of what they're saying they believe in, or is living in a way that is dangerous to themselves or someone else, or just not healthy or not good, and you, and you know it's not, and you know it's hurting them in the choices that they're making. I think there's room for those conversations. But I think Jesus says, hey, step back for a second and look at yourself. At one point, or maybe currently, we've all had planks in our eyes, right? We have all had sin in our lives that has messed up our thinking, messed up how we talk to people, messed up our relationships, messed up how we view ourselves. And if we take a step back, we, can, we come to realize that we gotta deal with that sin, but we can't deal with it on our own. And sometimes I think it's hard for us to take a step back and examine our own lives before we start going nitpicking somebody else's because I think sometimes we don't think our sin is destructive and full of death. Like it's easy to look at somebody else and to you know, kind of have that out of experience experience and say, that's not good. But it's harder to see that in our own lives. But all sin is destructive and all sin is full of death and all sin traps us in this life that is not full of joy, it's not full of hope, it's not full of freedom. It's, it's an enslavement. And so I wonder if Jesus is saying, just take a step back and look at your own life, whether the plank is currently there or you know, your, your eye is kind of uncomfortable because it, because it just came out. Sin has to be dealt with, but we cannot do it on our own. And we know that Jesus 
When, when we're invited in his kingdom, we're saying, Jesus, you have taken care of everything that separates me from you, everything that makes me want to be selfish and choose the things that I want instead of, of your kingdom. And when we take a step back and examine ourselves, I think we get to have that conversation with a brother or sister in a more healthy way. Because what happens when you look at your own life? Well, what happens to me is I get to see that there. Um, is somebody that wasn't myself that could actually take that sin and get rid of it. That Jesus actually at his death was able to pay the penalty for my sin so that I could be free. And because he rose, I also get the promise of resurrection life. Because of what he did, I get to live in freedom. And so when I then realize that I am just as much in need of Jesus's saving through grace, then What happens with those conversations when you do see that somebody is living in a destructive way to themselves? When you do see sawdust in in your brother or sister's eye? You get to come at the conversation with the heart of the gospel. I don't know about you, but I literally, no one in my life do I know, came to faith or came to a realization of sin in their life and confessed it and asked Jesus to take care of it because somebody was like, hey, you're just a terrible person. Why don't you fix this? I don't know anybody, and you can come and tell me after if you do know somebody. I don't know anybody, but I know so many people, and I know my own life that I had somebody who knew where they stood, knew that they needed the grace of Jesus just as much as I did, and then they came to me with the heart of the gospel and said, hey, there's actually a better way to live, and there's actually freedom from this. There's, you actually don't have to be mad all the time. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to hold this bitterness. There's actually freedom and joy found in releasing whatever you're holding dear to you, to Jesus. And so I think he says, look at yourself because then, in verse five, you will see clearly. If we are not examining our own life and understanding that we come from a place that needs Jesus just as much as your friend, our our vision is impaired. And we're not really helping. We're probably doing more harm than that. But when we look to Jesus and know that he is the one that can restore and redeem, then we get to also be instruments that restore, and we get to restore gently. So Jesus moves on to verse 6. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Anybody got a fear of wild boars? No? I don't know. Scary. Or wild dogs. Sometimes if I ever see a German shepherd and it's like not on a leash, I am afraid that thing is going to tear me up. Okay, what in the world is going on here? Jesus is like, don't judge, but now is he calling people dogs and pigs? Like, I know we're like, what up, dog? And that's like fun and stuff. But when you're like, you're a mutt, that's not really that fun. And I'm not even about to pretend to call someone a pig. So what's happening here? Well, good news. Uh, A lot of people (laughs) are in debate about what Jesus is talking about. But here's what I see in verse six. I see dogs and I see pigs. And if I look in the animal kingdom, there's some things I can infer about dogs and pigs. Um, I don't like pets, but if you have a pet, it's fine. I'm cool with it. Dogs, they weren't meant to be pets. They're wild animals, right? Can we agree on that? They're wild animals. Yes, they're outside. They're animals. 
pigs are not meant to be pets. They're outside. They're wild animals. And what do dogs and pigs have in common? You put any type of nasty food in front of them and they're going to devour it, right? Pigs roll around in their own poop. Dogs eat their own poop, okay? Dogs and pigs are fueled by their appetite. And if you put a pearl in front of a pig or something that is valuable, worth a lot of money, sacred, special, literally a dog, what, what is a dog going to do with that? What is a pig going to do with that? Some people think that Jesus is talking about like the most valuable thing, the best news, the gospel, and interacting with people that um, don't, don't value it, don't see a need for it in their lives. And maybe that's true. I think it probably goes along with what Jesus is saying. If he's, if he's telling us to come at our brothers and sisters with humility and a knowledge that I need the gospel as much as you need the gospel and to have those conversations that are centered around the gospel— and, and have discernment in those relationships, I think Jesus would say to have wisdom in these kinds of conversations as well. That as you are changed by the gospel, you now get the distinct honor to talk about that change with people. And sometimes, if you don't use wisdom and discernment, and even when you do, it's going to be met with some animosity. It's going to be met with people not really seeing the same value you do. But there's wisdom and discernment about how you go about that. Just like you don't go up to somebody who's in your D group and say, hey, I see this wrong with you. That's not going to get anywhere. You don't go up to somebody who doesn't know the truth of the gospel and just lay out all the arguments, all of the facts, and be like, pretty cool, huh? No, you get to share your story. If the gospel is that thing that is valuable to you, that is precious to you, that you see that without it, I am, I am not changed. But you see, because of the gospel, I am free. I live a life of abundance, and I have joy because of my relationship with Jesus, my relationship with other people in his church. Then how you go about that is the same way you discern a conversation about sin with somebody else. And you go with the heart of the gospel where you're valued and where you're welcome and you're invited. And I think one of, the, one of the most incredible things is that we've been invited to have these conversations. We've been invited to remind people of the gospel as we have been reminded of the gospel and we have been invited to tell people of the gospel just as we were told about the gospel. When I was in seventh grade, I met at the McDonald's up there in MacArthur in Webb City. And I sat down, and I probably ate a McChicken because those are the best. And um, I sat across from my youth minister, Luke Green, and I had all of these questions about, like, what actually would change in my life if I followed Jesus? And he walked through it. And any time I said my sin, he wasn't like, wow. But he met it with the heart of the gospel that I am cared for. This, my sin can literally be, the penalty can be removed, has been removed. And you are invited into this new family, and it is amazing that we get that same opportunity. This is what Paul writes in Galatians. We read it earlier, but he says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, 
You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law. When we realize our need for Jesus, and we realize, I think it is you, Liv. Siri's trying to read Judges to you. That's all right. But when we realize our need for Jesus and we realize other people's needs for Jesus, we can't help but share that, right? And we get to share how we have been changed, how we have been redeemed and restored, and we get to be instruments in the Spirit's hands to also restore other people to what maybe they've already accepted or what they haven't. And that's, that's pretty good news for us. I'm going to pray, and I hope in your groups, um, I hope that you're transparent. Because me sitting as a high schooler, I was like, I, I don't know how to have these conversations. I don't know how not to judge somebody. But the thing that just kept coming back over and over in the mouths of my adult leaders and in my friends who were smarter than me was, Peyton, do you remember where you were before you knew Jesus? And do you remember what life and trapped and all of these things of the flesh was like? Humble yourself and then have those conversations with other people because it's important and because you get to. I'm gonna pray. Father, thank you for being good. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for restoring us and redeeming us. Thank you for inviting us as you make all things new. Would you help transform our hearts to have hearts that look like Jesus? That we would be people that um, remind ourselves of the gospel daily and remind ourselves um, of our standing with you because of what Jesus did. And would you help us, would you help us because of that move into conversations with friends and conversations with people um, that maybe we, we have judged wrongly or have um, decided things about when we don't know the full picture. Would you just use us as agents of your peace and continue um, to make us look like Jesus through your power of your Holy Spirit? Amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.